Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody. I've been out of the pulpit for a couple weeks doing some Ocean City action. I even got a little Myrtle Beach in with 60 teenagers this past week. And uh, we had an awesome week. Thanks for praying for us. We just had a super time um, at our, the Student Life Conference and our senior high went. Just going to kind of kick off this summer. And uh, wow. Church, I'm so encouraged by this. You know, as a lead pastor, I try to get to uh, some of the kids' things and some of the high school things from time to time throughout the year. We're a church of all ages. We don't say our young people someday will be the church. They are the church. And uh, I'm really encouraged by the future leaders that we got in that group. And uh, that may, who knows, who knows, maybe some end up on staff. Um, I know I came from our youth ministry and so did many of our staff members, um, but I can tell that they're gonna be game changers and community builders and, and uh, awesome kids. I was so encouraged. We had a great week and it didn't look like that going into it. When we got down there, we pulled in around 2 a.m. Sunday night. We had quite a bus ride to uh, Myrtle Beach. And we we got to our hotel, and uh, we're looking at our weather apps for the week. Now, keep in mind, this is called beach camp, so you'd like to spend some time on the beach, right? And, and, And the beach in the rain is just, oh, man. You know, we lie to ourselves and say things like, hey, at least I'm on vacation. But you know, the beach and the rain stinks. It's like, I want sun, you know? I want to ride bikes and have fun. I don't want to talk about how nice it could have been if it was sunny. I'm bringing up bad memories if anybody was away this past week, right? But we ended up having a super week, but we weren't not dodging storms. And from time to time, we would get a storm almost every day. It would say like a hundred percent chance of storm. And, uh, but the Lord opened up certain windows. It just seemed like for us, it was so neat to see that part of the trip because um, it's no uh, picnic um, programming out things to do for that many young people and uh, when there's raining. And so that was just awesome. And the kids got so much out of the worship and the messages and we're excited for this summer and everything Renew Bible offers for all sorts of ages. We were down there. I I actually was working on this sermon during a storm. So when you see the title of the sermon today, it won't surprise you. Um, But during the storm, uh, uh, I had uh, my daughter come to me afterwards and say, hey, dad, when I was down on the beach, I took a picture of that storm coming from my, my balcony. Look at this, look at this. It's pretty cool, right? So, so that was uh, our, our balcony there by the beach, and this storm is coming. And I'll tell you what, aren't they anonymous when they're coming at you like that? You're, like, you're on the beach having a good time, and the sun's on you, but you're about to die. You know, no, no. Like, like, I mean, it, you just have this sense of, here it comes, you know, and, and, and there's no avoiding it. It's coming down the horizon. It's coming towards the beach. And I'll tell you what, those things hit those hotels, and the wind howls, and the waves crash. It almost looked like the Atlantic Ocean was more of a river than it was an ocean when those storms come through. And I'll tell you what, thinking about that, I I, I was brought back to a couple times when I've been caught in storms. You say a couple? Yeah, a couple. Because I tend to be the one going, I think we have time to finish this hole. I'm that guy. And, and, and no, you don't. Yeah, I think we do. Swing! And it turns a little more into Happy Gilmore the last couple holes than, than in the beginning. But I, I'm the type of guy to go, how far can we get until, okay, we definitely, I was that little league coach going, you're fine, you know, and parents have all left and we're on the field. And, 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 and I've always kind of pushed it. And, and I can remember one time when I pushed it too far and, and, and the storm, oh, it came. 
Oh, it came. It, it, was a, it was a promise dad made to ride bikes to Dairy Queen. My oldest was seven, my middle child was five, and my youngest was, I don't even think one. So infant, okay? And we're gonna ride them um, to Dairy Queen. And I had been working in the yard and, and I looked up and I had been getting too long. He was getting too late. And you ever, dad, you ever do that? You made a promise. You're like, oh my word, I've literally got to stop, but this is not a good stop. But, but whatever, like, dad, are we going? Are we going? And I look up over the tree line and I see that kind of view. And I think, we got time. <laughs> we got time. And so we got on our bikes. And so uh, sit right back and you'll hear a tale a tale of a fateful trip. It started, it started from this parking lot aboard the Heller bikes, okay? And um, so we started out, my wife put her faith in her husband and loaded our infant into our infant seat on her bike. And um, my oldest was right alongside dad and my daughter's right behind. And off we went down the Percocet bike path from this parking lot to Dairy Queen. Now, 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 I love to map things out because I'm a visual listener, okay? So let's go onto the map here. And we left the church. We went down Fifth Street. And you know there's that cul-de-sac right there. So you weave through. And anybody who knows this knows it's like downhill. So you can catch a lot, of, a lot of speed going down that hill. And then you come across here. And this is where the cover bridge is by Giant there. And then you navigate down this way. You get to Calla Hill. You weave around a little bit. And then the most dangerous part of the trip, honestly, is going across that intersection at Dairy Queen right by the baseball fields. Other than that, you're really good. That's the one you wonder if you're gonna die, right by, by American Heritage's in Percocy. But, but I'm so used to making this trip. I mean, I'm a Percocy boy. I grew up in this town. I grew up on 9th Street. I, I mean, I know this trip. I've done it a million times. Kids, get on the bikes and go. And we got all the way to Dairy Queen and we were fine. There wasn't even thunder rolling. Now keep in mind, this was back with flip flones that had like antennas. We didn't have your special little like apps with the radar coming in. We're all meteorologists now, right? But, but back then it was like 2005, 2006. We were still, we had cell phones, but we didn't have these smartphones. And so you look up in the sky and you go, it could be bad, but we got time. I didn't see whether the bands were red or yellow or hail or tornado weather. Didn't see that. Just having my ice cream. And then the thunder hit. And I'm like, okay. It's probably time we get going, finish the blizzard. And then a bolt hit. And it seemed way closer than I wanted it to be. My wife goes, should we just call somebody to pick us up? Men. We're not calling somebody to pick us up. On the bikes. So my wife following me into another one of my mistakes. We headed out, and I'm telling you, that storm came through so fast. We got to that Cala Hill. We're under the trees, and it's there. I'm telling my wife, you should stay here. It's too dangerous. Just stay right here under a tree, and, and, and the bolts are coming down. She said, I remember putting a blanket over our baby, saying, you, you, your poor dad, I'm so sorry for you because I don't think she was playing on me living through this. 
I headed back. My oldest said, I'm coming with you, dad. So we started back and we're riding these things. And now I'm like, oh my word, I have put my kids in so much danger. These lightning bolts are loud. I didn't realize this, how bad this storm was. I mean, things are starting to pelt us and we're going, and I'm trying to get to the pavilion at the playground there. I could barely get there. If I could just get to the van, I'll drive back and get her. And we did survive. But some faith was lost in dad that day. And, but, but you know what, don't worry about it. About two weeks later, Becca and I started talking again. It, it all worked out. <laughs> Just a few intense moments of fellowship. But, but through that process, I also got to learn something about my kids. They listened to dad. The storm was raging, so voices are loud. But they listened, they followed. They didn't really have a choice but we're now all caught in this and we got to get out of this. It it brought us together, but at the same time, it's a memory we would kind of wish to forget, but it's a storm that came and went and fortunately we all got through. But there's something about storms, aren't there? Storms are loud and they're scary and they come on the horizon. You can almost spot them coming and then sometimes you find yourselves in them. And it hurts some of the things that are happening and, and the bolts are crashing and, and sometimes the hail is hitting and, and, and there's effects to it and there's this storm and, 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 you, and you go through some struggles and, and I think we could spiritualize that a lot. Because I bet there's some people this morning that kind of stumbled in here hoping to hear a word from God who are in the middle of maybe the worst storm of their life. Oh, it's not some cloud, it's a diagnosis. Oh, it's not some lightning bolt. It's the loss of somebody. It's not some thunder rolling and storm coming at them. It's fear of what's coming this fall that they've never done before in their life. Whatever it is that's bringing anxiety, that's bringing discouragement, that, that is, is you're sensing this hopeless future with this massive storm cloud on the horizon or whether the rain is pelting on you today. What? will your faith be like through that storm? Can I ask you in your life, how is your storm faith? I mean, it's one thing to have faith on a Sunday morning sitting in church in a nice air conditioned building with a soft light and a Bible in front of you. It's another when you're facing the most difficult storm of your life. How do you talk to God in those moments? What do you let speak into you in those moments? Because there'll be voices shouting and screaming, God's not good. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. He must not care about you. There's all sorts of things you have to battle. And if we're not careful, we begin to listen to the storm and not to the voice of truth in the storm. So what are some of the keys to having storm faith? What are the keys to living a life where you're not afraid of the storm coming down the horizon? There are people crippled by anxiety as they plan out their futures and are trying to make plans to avoid storms. My children are not seven, five, and one. In fact, it's 23, 20, and 15. And in all those different seasons of life, I have watched God at times 
having sat down with a child and prayed over the decision, felt confident in the decision, felt God was directing in the decision to watch them walk right into a trial God had for them. As a parent, we like to, we try to make them avoid all those storms, but I watched as God went into those storms with my children, how it grew their faith. But I also know that storms can also shipwreck faith. And there may be some in here today that have watched a loved one go into a storm in life, concluded that if that's how God works, I don't want to be a part of it. And have found their faith shaking in that storm. How can the child of God operate, not just in the sunny days, but in the stormy days? Well, if you're here today and you're going, do you know what our family's going through right now? I don't, but God does. And he may have called you here this morning to hear how Jesus coaches his disciples in faith. Without faith, scripture says, it's impossible to please God. And so I wanna ask you today, do you have a desire to grow in faith despite a storm that comes? Or do you wanna live in anxiety that you won't make it through the next one? I think you want faith and Jesus offers that. And so we're gonna call our sermon today, Storm Faith. We're gonna give out three keys that we learn from parables about how to strengthen faith in those moments. We're gonna learn from them from Mark chapter four, verses 21 through 41. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll get back on the path that we were on last week of Jesus talking about the sower, throwing out seeds and it landing on the soil that grows. And we'll find ourselves on that path, speaking of the kingdom of God. And we're gonna learn along that path ways to have faith, even when the storms come. Heavenly Father, I don't know the audience today, but I pray that in your grace and mercy, you'd remove the room from any distraction that would keep us from hearing your truth. Lord, that you would clear our minds, that we'd be thinking about no other thing than what do you have for me today, God? And that we would leave this place being changed because of the powerful words of God from this book of truth. Not from any man, not from any story or lesson, but from the very word of God. And we pray these things knowing you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we were on the path and Jesus is giving out parables, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God, they were anticipating possibly was going to be on earth. And I do believe in a literal kingdom that will come one day in the millennial kingdom. But Jesus was speaking specifically of a kingdom that he was setting up in their hearts. It was him who would be ruling and reigning over their heart. And he taught them that these different seeds would go out and some would spring up, some would not spring up. But the ones on fertile ground would grow. And he was comparing these parables and the way he taught the kingdom of God. Do you know what a parable is? A parable is a truth. It's a, it's a, it's a truth, it's cast alongside, excuse me. It's a story or metaphor cast alongside the truth. It literally means to cast alongside. It's as if you have the truth and then cast alongside it is a story to help you understand the truth. 
You want to know how many times Jesus told parables? What do you think your guess would be? That how many times Jesus shared a parable? What do you think, 10, 12? 35 parables in the gospels. You're gonna to get to hear two of the three that are specifically talking about seeds today. And we're gonna grab from them the purpose of them. These parables were kind of tricky, if you will. They were to reveal what the kingdom of God is like, as well as how kingdom kids should live if they've, if they've followed Jesus. But it also was to kind of conceal from the crowd some of the truths as well. And so Jesus sometimes would just share with the disciples how to interpret parables. Now, if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, you're gonna read parables and they're gonna come to understand pretty quick. If you're here today and you're just checking out faith, these parables might sound a little bit more confusing for you. But if you do have ears to hear and you're a child of God and you wanna know what a kingdom kid should be living like, especially in times of storms, listen to these parables and listen to them attentively. They'll give you the keys. Specifically, I wanna leverage three keys. We're gonna start by Jesus sharing about a lamp. We're gonna move to the next one and we're gonna hear Jesus sharing about the growing seed. And then we're gonna move to the last one, maybe the more famous parable, a little mustard seed and what that can do. And so if you're with me, let's start with the lamp. It's Mark chapter four, verses 21 through 25. This is what the scripture says. And he said to them, is a lamp bought, is a lamp, excuse me, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the lamp. Now, we know from scripture, the lamp is often a reference spiritually to the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you love that verse? Thy word, what? The word of God, the word of God is a light, young people, like a flashlight that you can shine down the path. It's a light for your future, okay? But it's also a lamp that can go right by each step and help you daily. And so it can help in the future and it can help with each step. Oh, thy word is a lamp. But Jesus says in this, in this short little illustration of a lamp, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? You might want to yell from where you grew up. No, right? Hide it under a bushel. No, no, like, okay. <laughs> Calm down, kids. Your mom and dad not hug you enough? Why are you screaming so loud, right? Like, I mean, it's all like, like ah, okay. But anyway, hide it under a bushel? No. Put it under a bed? No. Well, first of all, why would you do that anyway? See, now, bushels, okay, were baskets, okay? They weren't, and, and they'd have these lamps often made out of pottery. Don't think anything else. This is pre-electricity, okay? So, like, at night, it's extremely dark. We live in a world where we always have buildings on. We always have lights on. In fact, we light things up for incredible safety. We want things lit up. This was before electricity, so the world was dark. I've never experienced anything like that. The closest I can remember is I went on a cleanup trip when Katrina happened in New Orleans, and I remember it getting dusk at night, and they said you had to be off the streets because how dangerous it got, and I remember watching and seeing the New Orleans skyline being black. 
thinking, whoa, that is incredibly intimidating. Jesus says, no one gets a lamp and, and puts it under a basket or takes it and puts it under a bed. You don't do that. And are you thinking, have you always read this and going, well, why would you do that anyway? What's Jesus saying? The next verse gives you a little more insight into that. He says, for nothing's hidden except to be made manifest. Why, why would you hide anything in your house? Well, because it's valuable and I don't want people seeing it, touching it, or messing with it. So I hide it. Yeah, but you hide it because it's super valuable to you, right? Yeah. But if you never bring it out, how can you show it off? I mean, you've got something that's very wonderful. Show it to people. Look what I've got. See, we don't conceal things unless they're extremely important to us. This is how I watched over my cereal bowl in college. <laughs> but Jesus says, we don't hide things to not bring them out. And that's what I want you to do with the lamp. The word of God is so valuable. But my disciples, guys, look at me, he says. It's like a lamp. Bring it out. Broadcast it. Share it. I always looked at those passages almost with a sense of judgment that anything I do in the dark, it's gonna be brought into the light. And those other passages that can speak to that kind of message. But this one is, hey, you got something valuable. Share it. Let people know. What, what, specifically what? The word of God. And he, and he said to them, he said to them, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Have you ever read this and went like, I got, I got ears to hear. What's he saying? Well, this ears to ear is more specific. Excuse me, I'm messing with myself here. The ears to hear has a point to it. He, he's giving a little bit of information about how to receive parables. He continues, he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. So, so if you really take hold of these parables and you really kind of put a lot into this, okay, even more will come. The less, well, the less. So disciples are to really pay attention and listen with ears to the word of God. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Here's your first key. Here's your first key. If you wanna get through storms, you need to listen to God through them. You need to listen with faith. The idea of listening with ears to hear is attentive listening. How many of you would call yourselves good listeners? How many of you would call yourselves bad listeners? As a bad listener, let me preach for a minute. Sometimes I'm already calculating my response while Rebecca's talking. I do not wait till she finishes. I have an idea what she needs. I have already resolved the issue and I have made a plan of attack that will most likely not work, but it sounded right in the moment. I can tend to cut people off. I can tend to wonder how long something's gonna go. I have trouble listening. And so as a pastor, I've always tried to develop that because I want to be a good listener. But Jesus is specifically speaking about the word, the lamp. 
Do you listen well to this? You're here on a Sunday morning. How much effort do you put into listening to the word of God? We put a lot of effort in here at Renew Bible at engaging a lot of different tools for the learner, from visual to, to being able to hear it, read it, see it. Our 4D seats aren't finished up top. We're working on, no, no, we don't have that. But we're working always to engage the listener because we want people to be listening to the word of God. But the greatest thing you could do, young people, if you struggle reading the Bible, ask God to help you. Holy Spirit, help me to listen to what I have to read today. May it not be a to-do. May it not be like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what this is saying. Listen. In fact, scripture speaks about how we are to receive the implanted word in James chapter one. The idea of the word is the seed. We know that from the sower. The word is the lamp, the word is also a seed. And we are to receive that implanted word a certain way. And in that context of receiving the implanted word comes the famous verse, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you know that was in reference to receiving the word of God? When I read this, I am to be quick to hear. Not, not I, don't, I don't know. See, when I was young, sometimes I looked at this as a book and see, what can I get away with? I know what I can't do. I wanna find out what I can do. No, no, no. Be quick to hear. Listen, because this book is full of wisdom that will provide light for your future and lamp to your current situation. But, but on top of that, be slow to speak. We get to a certain age and we start questioning things. We have people speaking to our lives about whether this can be trusted or not. And they're basing that on their life circumstances, not on the authenticity of this word of God that has lasted through thousands of generations or thousands, at least 2,000, 3,000. We have this word of God sticking with us Leaders, governments have tried to destroy this thing. People have died for this thing. It is a trustworthy book. Nobody died for Moby Dick. People die for the truths of this book. And in an understanding you have such a powerful book, be quick to hear it. I don't care what a professor says with nine different letters behind their name. The word of God can be trusted. You can't watch what some man's theory says. The word of God can be trusted. Everything will change, but the word of God will be faithful to you. When you follow man's advice, you'll get the results. When you follow the truth, you will see it grow like a seed in your life. Be quick in faith to hear, slow to debate it, and don't come at it with anger to debunk it. You might be here today and the word of God is offensive to you. Maybe you came here just to appease a family member, but could I just challenge you? Have you ever tried to read it without the desire to not hear it? Have you ever noticed if you don't like an opinion, it don't matter what that opinion says, you're not listening. And if you have set your mind against this, you're not listening. Have you ever tried to listen with faith. Can I encourage somebody in the room who might not want to listen to what this says? 
to say, Lord, I'm going to give it a shot. I want to listen to its words with faith. I'd encourage you to start in the Gospel of John, maybe even in the book of James, and leverage faith. It was a young boy, his name was Robert Stevenson. He wrote, wrote the book Treasure Island. Have you ever heard of that book? Did you know he grew up with a very, very difficult childhood? In fact, um, he had a lot of struggles in his young life and he was under care of uh, people in his room, even in boyhood. The story is of him being pressed against a window one night. And, and, and the caretaker came in and they said, back away from the window, you will catch a cold. But Robert Louis Stevenson, he said, look, look, what, what? And she looked out and there was a lamplighter and he was taking the poles and putting the torch on the lamp and the torch would start and the street would light up in that area. And then he'd walk a couple yards and there'd be another lamp and he'd light that lamp. And then he'd walk a little bit and he'd light that lamp. And she said, yes, I see, I see now back away from the window. He's, he's lighting the lamps. He said, no, 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 no. He's poking holes in the darkness. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Child of God, you're not just being a light because Jesus asked you to be. You're being a light in order to poke holes in the darkness. Your current storm might be very dark, but in that storm, your light can shine even brighter. You might be in the middle of something at work and go, why am I here, God? Why is this happening? I encourage you to listen to the word of God with faith. He may have you strategically placed there just like he did the apostle Paul in prison to poke holes in the darkness. Jesus continues with the growing seed. He moves back into parables, metaphors, stories, cast alongside the truth of the path that he will make straight in our lives. And he teaches about the kingdom of God. He says this, and he said, the kingdom of God is if a man should uh, scatter seed on the ground, he continues and says, he sleeps and rises night and day. This goes on and on. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear. And all my Gospel of Mark scholars are going up. Another rule of three here in, in Mark. He loves to do things in threes. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus says the kingdom of God, the place where God rules and reigns in your hearts and what you'll see as it goes out is like a growing seed. It starts with the blade. It moves to the ear, then the grain. But he says it's the earth that produces itself. There's an interesting Greek word here for itself. The word here is automate. It's as if the seed is put in, and then the farmer, he goes to bed, and rises the next day, he can cultivate the ground for the best kind of growth, but he's not in control at the end of the day of what occurs while he's sleeping or even while he's working. It's growing itself, almost automated, if you will, that something's happening even when no one sees anything happening. Kingdom kids understand this. 
And they go about their lives and work this way. If you haven't come to a faith in Jesus Christ, you might see children of God, they're doing stuff and you see no results. And like, what motivates you to keep going? Kingdom kids know that their work is not in vain in the Lord and they keep working in what? In faith. It's what it looks like to, here's the second key to the kingdom of God, living by faith. Scripture says the righteous will do this. The righteous will live by faith. I heard one one sermon illustrator, he, he said, we see faith and works going hand in hand in scripture. Our works is an evidence of faith. He said, faith is like a step and then works is the other step and faith and then works and we keep plugging through even when we can't see the growth because we know something, we're living by faith. We know that those seeds that have been planted will grow themselves, if you will, or automate because God's doing a work. Maybe you're a parent here today and you're encouraged by that because you saw the seeds planted in that young person. And every, every child's different. It's as if there was a bunch of different pots of different plants and you sowed and slept night and day. You remember them at camps. Oh, they love to sing the songs. But now it almost seems like they've grown away from the faith and you're so discouraged by that. And it's those seasons of life when you have a loved one that you desperately care about that doesn't seem to be growing at the speed or the rate you'd like them to. It can serve as such a frustration and such a heartache. And the devil likes to come in and whisper and say, give up. There's no hope. You might as well even stop doing what you're doing. But the child of God living by faith knows that he who began a good work will complete it even when it doesn't look like it's growing. The child of God will live by faith and just keep sharing the word of God and sowing it and sowing it and sowing it in the prayer that one day they'll rise and reap. Well, the kingdom of God is like that. We sow, one waters, one sows, but Jesus will come day, one day and reap. And it takes that faith to live by faith even in those seasons when you feel like God's not doing anything. God says, yeah, that's the kingdom of God. And my kids sometimes, they work and they toil in great faith that one day something will come of this and it will, but they must continue on. It's that life of living by faith. You going through a season right now in your life where you have nothing but to depend on faith to get through, you're in a good spot. Encourage you to live by faith, knowing that he hears you and he's working and he's doing even what you can't see. And that's that faith. Oh, you say, but my faith has gotten so small. Well, then you're in a good spot to hear the last parable, the mustard seed. Parable of mustard seed is verses 30 through 34. Listen to what Jesus says. He said, with what can I compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? He continues and says this, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which was sown on the ground. It's the smallest of all the seeds on earth. He continues and says, yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the other garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Wow, something so small, 
can turn into something so big? That's the parable of the mustard seed. It starts small. Oh, it's just one little seed, but it can grow into something huge. It's like the kingdom of God. It starts small in the little town of Nazareth and goes global. It starts with 12 men sharing what Jesus had done in their lives and it turns into millions of people part of the church of Jesus Christ, his called out ones, dearly beloved. It starts with just a three year ministry on earth. Jesus ministered for three years. That was his public ministry, his private ministry, his death and resurrection, three years. But it will last for all of eternity. Is it encouraging today that maybe even if you have small faith, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, that little faith right there can grow into big, big things, but we've got to sow it. We've got to put the word of God in our hearts. We've got to share it with those that we know. Oh, with many such parables, scripture says he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. We often know the mustard seed parable specifically from what Matthew said. Matthew referenced it in the terms of asking of God. And that's the third key for a kingdom kid is to ask in faith. Scripture says, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. That was a Jewish idiom they like to use. Well, this will move mountains. And Jesus is saying, just a small grain of faith can do so, so much. But they must ask in faith. Do you remember what James said about what it's like to not ask in faith? He said, it's like being on a boat in the water. It's like being hit by waves. He says this, asking in faith is, is so important with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person might not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. A kingdom kid doesn't pray. Without faith, they pray with faith. They come to God asking in faith. During our pioneer series a few years back, we referenced the life of one of the greatest askers in prayer. His name was George Mueller. He says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. But faith is only as strong as the object you place it in. And if your faith is placed in yourself, you can expect a life of anxiety. If your faith is placed in God, you can expect a life of not only living by faith, but listening in faith and asking in faith. George Mueller is known for a story a captain told that was written in an autobiography about George Mueller. He said, we were crossing the Atlantic Ocean and I got a tap on the door in the captain's quarter and it was the famous preacher, George Mueller. He said, Captain, I need to be in Quebec by Saturday and it's now Wednesday and I noticed we weren't moving. He showed in the window. Mr. Mueller, 
the fog is everywhere. We can't move. Well, we need to trudge on. I've never missed a date and the people need to hear the word of God. Let us go downstairs below the quarters and pray and ask God to remove the fog so that we might get to Quebec on Saturday. The captain writes in the memoir, I thought this guy was out of his mind. But I went downstairs with him. After all, he was a preacher. And he went to pray and he prayed the most simplest of prayers. It's a Sunday school child's prayer, if you will. He said, Lord, we need the fog to be removed so we might go ahead and proclaim your word in Quebec. Amen. Lifted up and the captain said, I felt like I should pray since I'm with a preacher. And so I began to pray. And Mr. Mueller tapped me on the shoulder and said, no, no. I looked at him. He said, there's no need for you to pray. One, you don't believe God will remove the fog, so it's not worth you praying. <laughs> Two, I believe the fog is already lifted. Let's go forward and get there. They went upstairs and the captain shares the story of how the fog lifted and they arrived to Quebec on time for Mr. Mueller. And he says, I no longer pray doubting. I ask in faith. Scripture says you don't have because you don't ask. And a lot of our asking is for pleasure. And that's never the goal that God desires. He goes, you ask and you want to use it for your own pleasures. God rewards selfless ambition, not selfish ambition. He rewards when we desire to get to Quebec to share and be a light for the gospel, not for our own pleasure. And George Mueller, like anybody who understands that text, would ask of God. Scripture doesn't say you don't have because you don't ask, but you get it anywhere because God's sovereign. And somehow, in some way with great faith, God links in his providential prayers and answering and causality into our prayer life. He desires we ask in faith. I don't want to be the one tapped on the shoulder. Chris, there's no reason for you to pray. You don't believe God can do this. I want to believe and I want to ask in faith. You will never be more tested than when a storm comes. Listen by faith. Live by faith. Ask in faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is something so beautiful, college student, listen to me for a second. There is so something so beautiful about childlike faith. It's so beautiful. When Jesus wants to illustrate faith, he's amongst all these adults and he says, hey, hey, come here. And it's a little kid. He says, come here, sit on my lap. Let me teach you about faith. We try to make sense and we try to become the ruler and we become the judge sometimes of this book, but God is looking for faith. Scripture tells us when Jesus returns, will he find faith? That's what he's looking for. On that day, we'll find out if the disciples had it. For that same day, Scripture says, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, just after he taught these three amazing illustrations, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And, and there were other boats with him. And all of a sudden, a great windstorm arose. I mean, a great windstorm. 
Not like, not like, oh, there's a little storm, a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. You're not talking to each other like, hey, what do you think of this storm? You're screaming at one another at this point. I mean, the waves are coming into the boat. So the boat now is filling, but, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they came to him and they woke him. They woke him. What do you think they asked? What do you think guys? They say this, teacher, teacher, do you not even care that we're perishing? See, when we're in a storm sometimes, our immediate thought is, he doesn't care. Look at my life, look at my situation. Do you even care that we're perishing? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. Imagine. Hey waves, I tell you when to stop. That massive storm coming down the side of the beach, I can tell it to stop. I see four questions in this little story of scripture that's so powerful. Teacher, do you care we're perishing is the first. When we're in storms, our first thought sometimes, I swear I put the devil puts it in our heads, he doesn't care. He cares. If you're here today and you're in that storm, you just got that diagnosis. You just heard about that family member. Somebody just made an announcement. Somebody said they're leaving. Somebody said they're doing this. He cares. But then Jesus has a question for them. He calms the storm and he says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Who's in a storm today? Let Jesus speak that calm into your life. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? There's a third question. Still, after all I've done for you, after how many times have you seen me show up? We still don't have it. Guys, I, 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 feed, I feed people. You've seen me heal. You still have no faith. And the final question is theirs. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Storm faith. Storm faith. What do you think you would have done if you were in the same boat? Ever think about that? Maybe you are. Maybe you're going through some time right now where you're saying, Lord, do you not care? One of the enemy's goals is to get you out of the word of God when you're going through a storm. Fight back. Go to the word of God. Did not Jesus say to them, let us go to the other side? They weren't listening. He already told them, we're going to the other side. When Jesus makes a promise, church, he's gonna fulfill it, amen? Listen with faith. Well, I'm just not sure. I've never seen that before. Listen with faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I got a brother in Christ who's going into a little bit of a difficult situation. It's kind of a trial and we were talking about it and he said to me, I kind of just want to go into this storm, not with all this fear. I just kind of want to go in with a cushion. I want to go in with a pillow. And I thought that was so good. 
That was so good. His desire to go into the storm was not to do it with fear and trepidation. Oh my word, look at the storm, but to go in with Jesus. Jesus is going in and I wanna do this on a cushion, not in terror. That's living by faith. Have you still no faith was the third question. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind. You serve a God who can tell wind and waves to stop. He wants to be a part of your current struggle. He's in the boat with you, child of God. Go to him and ask him in faith. Not do you care, but knowing he cares. And ask him, not for yourself, but for his glory. And then the fourth question was then who this is this? Who is this? I pray everybody in this room has come to a point where they were saved through faith. For it is by grace you are saved by faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast. Those guys did nothing in that storm to get through that. They just had enough faith to get in the boat. They just had a little bit of mustard seed faith. And maybe you aren't in the same boat as them that day, but maybe you are in the same boat spiritually. Look how they responded. They followed Jesus. If you're in a storm, keep following. They ran to Jesus. When you get scared, go to Jesus. They questioned Jesus. He is okay with our questions. Just know that he has a plan and a purpose. They listened to Jesus, calmed the storm. They were comforted by Jesus' presence. They were challenged by Jesus. And I would encourage you, in whatever storm you're in, to ask those questions of yourself as if Jesus is asking you, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I say it to myself sometimes. They were amazed by Jesus. They were saved by Jesus. And they arrived on the other side with Jesus. In 2020, uh, the world was kind of turned upside down. And there was an article that was posted that said, we're all in the same boat. And somebody said, uh, I would beg to differ. There are those that are going to financially make out and there are those who are going to suffer dearly. There are those who are gonna go through this with incredible division in their families and there's those who are not. There are those who are gonna do this. We're not in the same boat was the whole idea. But it concluded by saying, but we are in the same storm. We're all in the same storm. Whatever storm you're in today, I might not be in that storm with you, but I wanna encourage you. Storm faith listens. You need the word of God right now to be a lamp and a light. They live by faith. You might not see results, but it's growing. You might sow and sleep, but one day you'll rise and reap. And then finally, ask in faith. Even if it's just the size of a mustard seed, God can do great things with that faith. In that same year, a song came out that became an anchor for me every day I was driving home. I put it on my car, and the song was Peace Be Still by Hope Darst, and I just let that play. And I know many of us live busy schedules, and I know setting aside an hour and 15 is not what everyone does in Bucks County. But you do. And I thought it'd be great for us to close our services today with a time of prayer for two minutes. I'd like to play that song in the background. I'd like us to hear the words, and I'd like you to think through anybody you might know who is in a storm. Maybe it's your storm, or maybe it's somebody you know. 
And they need to hear the words of Jesus, peace be still. But more than anything, they need their faith to be anchored in his truth during this time. Let's let them know Renew Bible cares by spending this time in closing in prayer. So let's play the song, two minutes. We'll pray this for those and we'll close our service. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. And I don't want to fear the storm just because I hear it roar. I don't want to fear the storm. I don't want to fear the storm. Father, in a room this size, I'm sure there's some children of yours who are going through some storms that you wanted to give an extra hug today. And they were providentially brought into this room or turned this TV on to hear you say, peace be still. This side of earth, the storms will rage. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome this world. If they're children of God, you're in the boat with them. You'll go into the storm with them. And you ask them to listen to you with faith, to live by faith and keep paddling and to ask in faith that they be given the grace to survive the storm they're in. Jesus, we know you're faithful. You went through the storm yourself. 
you don't send us into storms you're not planning on traveling through. And so we lean into you during these times and we need to hear your voice. May those listening or here today know Renew Bible loves them. We're praying for them. And for anybody here in this storm today, I pray that they would stop telling Jesus how big the storm is. He knows. And they would start telling that storm how big Jesus is. Amen.